This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. again everyone and welcome to the Cincy Shirts podcast. It's episode 66. Today on our show, our own Ricky Henry talking about retro video games and the retro gaming celebration he and his wife have put together. What a wild story this is, right? All these guys that were in the game, you know, they weren't graphics that were drawn. They were graphics that were photographed. So these were real martial artists who were videotaped doing the moves and then digitized into the game. We talk a lot about video games going all the way back to Pong and then going forward, and we find out about the uh, gaming crash of the 1980s, the revival in the 90s, and how Ricky designed Cincy Shirt's very own Loveland Frogman slash Frogger game for our Loveland store. Don't know if you've seen that, but uh, if you ever are out that way, check it out. It's so cool. So be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. And so now with all that out of the way, let's press play and begin our chat with Ricky Henry. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Yes, we have a special one for you today, guys. Uh, we're here with uh, Ricky Henry. It's me. You guys may be familiar with his work and don't even know it. But um, so yeah, so uh, so Ricky's got something going on. He uh, let's see, I got, maybe we'll just let you talk, tell us about it. Uh, yeah. yeah, the uh, Cincy Classic Retro Gaming there's Expo. A, there's a cheat sheet for you. There okay, you <laughs> give you a cheat sheet flyer. Cincy Classic 2019 Retro Gaming Celebration. It's a celebration. Well, yeah, you know, and you got and the most hilarious part of that, which I forget too, and I, I got to make sure not to forget, is Mr. Rooter Plumbing presents <laughs> Cincy oh, Classic. Oh wow! Sponsored. How did he get you know, mixed up? In Wasn't this? that? Is it, it's a crazy story, right? So um, I'll get <laughs> in. We're after. Yeah, right. So I'll get into the whole history of Cincy Classic. Uh, we want the history of Mr. Reuter. Well, yeah, we can yeah. we can for sure do that. Well, the whole thing was, you know, my wife and Gen- my wife Jennifer and I, we, we we do, you know, we we've made the rounds, comic book conventions, toy shows, and, and video game shows, and so obviously here in Cincinnati, Cincinnati Comic Expo is big. Um, you know, there's Anime Ohio that they do here, and there's just a plethora of toy shows from people like Jim and Dan and CTS promotions. So they, they've got all that covered, but, you know, they don't do any video game shows here. And for me, that's like that's my collecting thing, right? Some people collect, uh, you know, action figures, comic books, uh, coffee mugs, Beanie Babies, right? Is that still a thing? Probably not. No. But video games aren't represented at the Comic-Con? No, not really. I mean, you, you'll see, like, one vendor, but, like, I mean, an entire show dedicated to that subculture, right? Yeah. To that fandom just doesn't exist in Cincinnati, but it did. And so that's kind of the history of it, and, and we'll get into that. But to answer your question about Mr. Reuter, when we decided that <laughs> we wanted to do that because there was a void, there wasn't one, right? We were going to Louisville 
all these other places. Uh, we're going to uh, Portland, Oregon in October. Okay, so this is a trend in other cities. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. The Midwest Gaming Classic, right? Uh, even in, like, uh, Columbus and Cleveland, they have one, right? But there just wasn't one in Cincinnati. And maybe we're spoiled, right? Because that was always my mode of thinking was, well, we have... 16-bit bar downtown. We've got three different arcade legacy stores, right? So maybe it's just like we don't need it because we can just go and pick this stuff up whenever we want. But the, but the story behind Mr. Rooter is that we decided we wanted to do this, but we didn't really, you know, we, we weren't going to just do it completely out of pocket. Um, it's a passion project, but you need a little bit of seed money. So like anybody else would do, we, we started Kickstarter, right? So we said, we, you know, we looked at a venue that we wanted to, to, to rent and we put a dollar amount up, which was, you know, just a couple grand. It wasn't anything crazy you know we gave him some nice incentives but one of the you know perks was you know to be the presenting sponsor right and so um i won't say his name because i don't know if he would want me to but uh it was just just a name and it was like uh, we'll just say it was matt smith okay oh yeah and so matt smith put, big support of ours there you go so matt smith put down 500 bucks right to be the presenting sponsor and so we're like emailing him and going like well who are you what's your company do you have a logo anything like that and he said, uh, no, no, this is just something I talked my dad into doing. <laughs> I'm a competitive Super Smash Brothers player. He just really supports my hobby. And so I talked him into <laughs> doing it. Nice. He runs a Mr. Rooter. Really? Yeah. And I was like, that's, that's pretty cool. And, and so everything, you know, that we promised through the Kickstarter was that, you know, Cincy Classic would be presented by Mr. Rooter. So... Uh, I love it. I think it's a great logo. It's got that like vintage, you know, winking guy, and yeah, uh, it's a kind of a kind of a cool compliment. I might uh, need rooted. Uh, yeah, if you need rooted, uh, call <laughs> Mister Rooter. I think his uh, location is based out of uh, Fairfield or something like that. But anyway, I told him. Yeah, I told him. I was like, bring the Mister Rooter van down, park it in the parking lot, so everybody who's walking in can you know can get, get rooted. <laughs> yeah, can get a wink from Mister Rooter there. He's a cool. How creepy cat. would that be? Oh, yeah, I wonder if they have a full-blown Mr. Rooter mascot costume, you know, that looks like that. The kids would definitely run for him. He looks a little bit like Josh, actually, so maybe we can convince Josh to put on that outfit. And, uh, he does. Yeah, see? So maybe we could get... Yeah. We're alive, Mr. Yeah, yeah he's a, he doesn't have enough going on. Maybe he can huh. dress up like Mr. Rooter that day and greet people as they walk in Walmart greeter style. That's great. But uh, but no, you know, but that's true. There there wasn't anything like that. You know, we had you know comic cons, toy shows, all that stuff. Uh, but when it come came to video game shows, there there really weren't any. Presently, um, we chose the name Cincy Classic because it was a show that existed, starting in 1999. And then ending in 2006. So it's funny because I didn't go to the one in 99 or 2000. I know a lot of the guys that did. It was very, very, very small. Because I had somebody even say, well, it started in 1999. Was, would those games have even been considered retro then? You know? <laughs> it's like 1999. I was like the, it's like the year the, the Sega Dreamcast came out. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, but I think that's the thing. Like, you know, that, I would have been in high school, okay? So, like, we, we didn't, we called, like, Atari games, Nintendo games, we called them classic games. We didn't call them retro games, you know. So, I guess that's probably where they got the name Cincy Classic from. So, the first meetup, and that's probably really what it was more than a convention, was a meetup, um, uh, was in 99. And I, I know a lot of the guys that were there. It was just in, like, a basement somewhere, you know, a bunch of hobbyists, enthusiasts who liked hacking this stuff apart, trading it, you know, selling prototypes and rare items and stuff like that. Uh, started as a is it just a meetup uh, in '99, and they did one in 2000. The first one that I went to was in 2002, 
and that's when they said, you know what, there's a, there's a, there's a niche thing for, uh, here, and uh, you know, people love this kind of stuff. It was when um, Forest Fair Mall was was starting to renovate and you know and kind of change things up before their big big renovation, and um, they rented out an empty store in Forest Fair Mall that had been gutted uh, to do a, a, a bigger, more expanded one, one that you would be free entry for everybody, and they would just kind of break even on the tables. That was the first one I, I went to. And when I heard about it, I was like, yeah, you know, because there's, there's some stuff I'd like to get. There's stuff you can't get in stores anymore. And um, I, I emailed the guy directly. His name is Bill Augustine. And uh, he uh, ran a company and perhaps still does, I believe, a uh, consulting agency called um, Augustine Consulting over on the west side. And uh, he's just like me. You know, he's just, just a fan of this old crap. And uh, so when he decided he was going to expand it out of the basement and into the Forest Fair Mall for a weekend, um, I sent him a message and said, hey, I'd like to get involved with this. Not only do I want a table so I can do some buy-sell-trade stuff, uh, but, you know, maybe I could run a tournament. And, uh, you know, I'm in school for graphic design, and, uh, and you know, guys will never believe this, but I offered my services to design him a T-shirt. Uh, go Whoa. figure. Yeah, how about that? Look <laughs> at me now, everybody. Um, and so from, you know, every year after that, I designed their T-shirt. So uh, I have a I have a little stack of Cincy Classic 2002 and Cincy Classic 2006 uh, <laughs> T-shirts or whatever. But th- that was the last one that he did was 2006. And it was, um, I can't remember the name of the venue, but maybe, maybe you guys would know. It's over by Jungle Gyms, and it's this big, like, wedding reception hall event center. They hold all kinds of stuff there. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's across this kind of across and down yes. the street. I can't remember what you know, it's called. Yeah, now. and I, I took my son to a reptile convention there a couple of years ago. Oh um, yeah, Sin City Reptile Show. Yeah. yeah. You ever been there? Yeah, bought some geckos there. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, we we, we went there and uh, but that's that was the last time you had it. it was two thousand six and it was huge. And if you uh, you know Google it, Sin City Classic two thousand six, or even on even you know YouTube. There's there's all kinds of people's pictures, and it was, it was so many people there, so many vendors. It's a good time. I was there, you know, setting up shop, and uh, you know, it, after that, it just it just fizzled out. People said, "You gonna do one next year?" And it was like, uh, well, maybe." You know, I'm a busy guy, run a business. Two thousand eight rolled around. You gonna do one? You gonna do one this year? And he was just like, "Yeah, yeah I'm busy. Maybe next year." And then it was like. Every year, people would kind of, you know, gather around him. And this is pre-Facebook. Even You could even say, like, pre-MySpace. You know, people would get... I mean, they would organize it through, like, Yahoo groups. You know, to show you how old this stuff is, how long it's been around. But, you know, year after year, people would ask Bill, are you going to do another one? Are you going to do another one? And, um, you know, it just never happened. It just never happened. So here we are in 2019. Um, I said, when I had the idea to do this, I said, well, let's call it Cincy Classic because it has a little bit of name recognition, brand recognition, even though there hasn't been one in like 15 years, so, or, you know, 12 years, whatever it is. Uh, can't do math in my head. Yeah. Um, I'm an artist, everybody, not a mathematician. <laughs> um, but we did. We did get his blessing. We did get his permission to use the name. So uh, we emailed him, of course, and said, hey, we want to do this, it, you know, unless you had some kind of grand plan to do it. You know, is it okay if we kind of take up the mantle of Cincy Classic? Like the end of Avengers, when he's like, here's my shield, you're the new Captain America. Um, <laughs> yeah. We became the new Cincy Classic. And, and we wanted to do some things different. You know, before it was um, free admission, you know, break even. Um, you know, obviously we wanted to bring in some guests. We wanted to, to kind of take it to the next level. I think, you know, the convention circuit, having gone to many of them, 
you know, seeing what people like, what makes people tick, and, and, and that sort of thing. Even, even you know, as the armchair critic, you go to convention, well, I would do this differently. Well, now's my chance, right? So, um, here we are, and uh, it looks like it's going to be all right. I think, you know, it, it amazes me. You know, we've set up our ticketing and stuff through Eventbrite, and we'll just be sitting at home watching television, and our, our phones will simultaneously buzz, and we're like, oh, sold two more tickets. I you got know? the notification Yeah, set up. yeah. And That's couple, the best. A couple hours later, hey, we <laughs> sold a couple more tickets, you know? So it went from like, and we have ups and downs, like anybody does, I'm sure. And as a business owner, I'm sure you do too, right? Where you No, have, it's all smooth. It's all smooth <laughs> all the time, right? But you have these days, right, where you're like, oh, my God, nobody's coming. Like, what are we doing? We're going to have this empty building with like five people in it. You know, we've we've got this guy here who's coming from Chicago. Oh my God! And, and everybody's gonna be staring at each other. And then we have days where we're like, "What do we do if there's too many people? What's what's building max capacity? Should we hire security? What do we, you know?" And I, I even to the point where I was like, "Are there enough bathrooms in this place? Oh, like, yeah. you know what I mean? What if they clog a toilet? You know?" <laughs> so I'm like, so you you have the the ups and downs, the highs and lows. I, I'm I'm just happy if anybody shows up. Really, um, I you know. I, it's going to draw people. I don't think we have any real competition going on that day. And, you know, we, we try to clear the schedule, pick a day that works for everybody. Uh, it's a one-day show on a Saturday, although we're doing a little bit of a pre-party. But, but that's, kind of, uh, that's kind of where we stand. And, um, yeah, you know, so it's coming, up, it's coming up this Saturday, uh, May 18th. May 18th, yeah. And then the pre-party uh, is at Arcade Legacy Bar on the 17th, where we're, uh, you know, just going to... Have a kind of a casual atmosphere. We're gonna do a Mortal Kombat 2 uh, arcade tournament there with some prizes. You can win some tickets, hang out with some of the guests. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's been a journey. It's been a ride. I mean, I've I've got so many uh, so many uh, ideas to you know. People said, well, what about next year? You gonna expand to two three days next year like a like a real convention would? Um, we'll see. You know, we'll see. It's been a lot of work. It's been a labor of love, but. Um, you know, really, I'm in the right place and the right frame of mind and the right uh, atmosphere to be able to make it work. So um, we'll see how it goes. You know, it's it's unpredictable, but at this point, uh, you know, I just I just hope the people that do come have a good time. Maybe they find, you know, some of the rare, expensive items that they're looking for. Um, you know, get yeah. to meet some cool people, take some cool pictures, play in a tournament, the whole nine yards. And it's a family-friendly thing. I mean, bring the kids. I mean, I, Oh, it's not going to be like strippers or anything like that? No. They, I'm out. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, you know, when, when you get these people involved and, and, you know, games get heated, you know, sometimes shirts fly off and things <laughs> yeah. like that. But uh, I might be back in. <laughs> all right. So you got so there's there's gaming tournaments going to be going on or what? Or just, just you got to have consoles out where people can pick up and play or what? What can someone expect to do when they walk through the doors of the Sensor Classic Expo? Well, when you walk through the doors, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going for sensory overload. What kills me sometimes about conventions, especially some of the smaller ones, is, you know, you walk in and it's just kind of awkward silence, you know. Maybe every half hour somebody gets on the mic and goes, it's door prize time, you know, and they read off a string of numbers. But, you know, I, I, I want to go for that arcade atmosphere. I want you to step in. There's going to be music. I want you to hear sounds coming from every area but as far as what to do yeah i mean you know we'll, we'll start with the first one you know the consoles um you know for for many many years i've been collecting you know whether it be through flea markets or you know goodwills or just stuff that i still have from when i was a kid uh you know everything from you know the common stuff your atari 2600 and your nes nintendo uh to some of the weirder and more obscure stuff like uh Panasonic 3DO or the Atari Jaguar or the Philips CDI, these weird kind of 
I guess you call them commercial failure consoles, but they're really cool history pieces. Fairchild. Um, yeah, right. Channel my, F. My uncle had that. Fairchild Channel F. It was a Pong machine. Yeah. <laughs> it it also had um. Pong machine. It had a bunch of other uh, <laughs> things available because he had he had more than just the Pong. He had a bunch of other games with it, and like the ColecoVision I had, the thing promised all these great games are coming in 1981. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's, well, yeah, because there was a big market crash. There was just yeah. this oversaturation in 1983 that caused the whole market to go belly up. Um, but it's funny you mentioned some of these older ones, like the Pong consoles. It would just be Pong. You'd have maybe ten different versions of Pong, three paddles, four paddles. And, and some of them, they cracked me up because they came with overlays. You'd say, well, I have a 13-inch TV. And you would take a thin piece of plastic and put it on your TV. And now it's a tennis court. And you take it off and put it on. And, no. Yeah, now it's a circus setting. So that's how <laughs> they did some of those. But yeah, we'll have all kinds of that stuff there. Um, so so you can kind of walk the, along the walls of the of the event. You can you can play everything in chronological order. Um, we even got an old Windows ninety five machine, complete with the big tube monitor with the giant speakers attached on the side. So if you want to play. SimCity 2000 or Doom or some of those old PC games. You can oh, sit wow. down. It's got the scroll wheel mouse. It's 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 it was probably once grayish white. Now it's yellow. It's the perfect old Windows 95 computer. Uh, some of the real crazy expensive stuff, Neo Geo stuff. Um, that'll be out on display for people to just sit down, pull up a chair, and play. So, I'm trying to find an old video game here. Okay. Because I was never a big video game guy per se, but to borrow a phrase from Chris Lowe, Pet Shop Boys, what I do like, I love passionately. There was this one, it was you. <laughs> it was shot at an angle and you flew over these space stations and it was a fighter gunner machine. And I can't remember, I thought it was called Xenon, but that's not it. It's called Zaxxon. Zaxxon! <laughs> Zaxxon! I was properly in the Zaxxon and Spy Hunter, the only two games I liked in the Spy arcade. Spy pretty good. Spy Zaxxon, good. I gotta look it up now. Yeah, it's by Sega. I was so good at Zaxxon. Will Zaxxon be there? Uh, you know, it's possible. Some of the people that are coming to set up shop are also bringing pinball and arcade machines, too. So they haven't really told me too much about what they're bringing. I just trust them to bring you know, something. What's your source for all this? Yes, that's I mean, it. Zaxxon. I mean, do you have uh, like a Sega CD just sitting around your house? Or you, like, you're not putting your personal collection out there for the public to come and wreck, are you? Yes. Yes, I am. You are? It's all my personal collection. Um, yeah, it's just stuff that I've hoarded, and and, and it's and it's cool because right now, you know... And it all works. It all works. It all works. Um, have I had to have it fixed, repaired, modified, of course, over the years. You know, you got to keep up with it. But yeah, it's all my stuff. And, and, and here's the thing, guys, and this is... And you guys could probably understand this, right? You know, I, I have two children and, um, you know, limited space. So, you know, at one point, I loved having all this stuff hooked up and... You know, using converter boxes to make it look good on HDTVs and all this, but you know, it gets to the point now where it's like it's it's just got to go into storage. You know, it's it's got to be kind of put away and tucked away so that we have room for everybody. Like, like right now, I got a boy and a girl. They share a room. Can't happen anymore, right? <laughs> because they're getting older and we got to separate them. So, what's the first thing that's going to go? The game room, right? <laughs> you know, the game museum is going to go. Um, so, you know, this is a cool chance for me to like get my toys out once a year, right? And share them with everybody. That's the way I look at it, right? What good is this collection if it's just sitting in storage, you know, and nobody's using it uh, or enjoying it? So Yeah, but what's good if you just put it... <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just picturing all the people coming uh, and just ruining your stuff, man. You gotta... You gotta 
and you're going to walk around and you're going to see someone, some kid who doesn't appreciate the Neo Geo. He's going to be throwing the the remote through a through an old TV. Well, I'd like to believe that they will be supervised, and um, we have delegated uh, a few of my close personal friends to be uh, um, yeah. console police. There if you, you will. Go. You need some plain clothes officers at every. We will have uh, <laughs> properly outfitted officers as well as maybe some plain clothes ones too, keeping an eye on everything. But you know what? I, again, I've gone to these kind of things in other cities and. You know, they leave them far more unattended than we will, and I haven't seen anything broken. I, you know, I think, I think I worry more about somebody popping the cartridge out and putting it in their pocket than anything, you know? Um, yeah, that's true, too. There's a whole whole bunch of stuff that could Yeah, happen. yeah, I don't plan on having super rare or expensive stuff out. But, you know, the consoles in and of themselves are, are pretty, pretty expensive. Yeah. But no, I'm okay with it. I'm all right with it, you know? So when you talk about expensive stuff, how, how uh, valuable are some of these consoles uh, now? I mean... I'm, Man, you get a Nintendo NES for what, 150 bucks now? Yeah, if it's in good condition, has the box. Yeah, you're looking at about 150 bucks. But you know, when I was collecting, you know, in high school, 98, 99, you could go to a yard sale or a flea market. You could buy a stack of Nintendo games for like a buck a piece, right? Now you're looking at you know 10 to 12, upwards of a couple thousand dollars a piece, right? You know, for these things. Yeah, it's 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 wild how they've held their value. And it doesn't matter, like, you know, because people will say, well, you can emulate all this stuff on your computer. Or you can buy a little Raspberry Pi computer and run emulators and all that. It's just not the same. It's just, you know, people love to get the actual physical cartridge out, put it in the actual machine and play it. And, and that way you have, it's, you're playing it with the right controller, the way it was meant to be played, so forth and so on. You're getting that real experience. But yeah, I mean, some of this stuff gets pricey. Like you mentioned the Neo Geo, back when that came out in 1990, it was an $800 machine, right? And um, for the most part, and the games were $250 apiece because it was the most high-end, it was the Rolls-Royce console of its day. And, uh, you know, the, it's for the most part, has held its value. You know what I mean? Um, I bought mine from a guy who had, out of a backpack, who was, you know, who would, uh, at, a, at a tilt, arcade in the late 90s you know um but yeah it's that that's probably one of the pricier ones i have out on i have on display um i've got like i said the philips cdi this was when like vhs they were trying to figure out what the successor to vhs would be right and you know it's pre-dvd so people you know the vcds compact cdi compact disc interactive you could watch movies on it but you could also play games uh it was a total commercial failure but it's just it's a really cool piece of history um I've got one, a Sega console called the Pico that was aimed at like toddlers and small children. That'll be out on display. It was like the cartridges look like storybooks and you plug them in and you flip through it and it's got a pin. Um, yeah, all kinds of stuff like that, you know, and even, even just weird showpieces. Like, you know, um, I love that I get to tell my kids like, hey, when I was in high school, I worked at this place called a video store. It was called Blockbuster, right? And, you know, Blockbuster would get exclusive games and exclusive merchandise. And they had a game that came out when I worked there called Clay Fighter on the Nintendo 64, the Sculptor's Cut. And, uh, yeah, I picked a couple of them up because they were, you know, Blockbuster, when they were done renting them, they'd sell them used really cheap. I have a couple of those, and because it was a game that you could only rent and not too many people own it, uh, you know, that game goes for six, $700 now. You know, I have a couple of them laying in my, you know, from when I worked there. What's wow. the oldest 
like you have going back to the 2600 and television, Coleco, what's the oldest in the collection? Yeah, in my personal collection would be the yeah, 2600 in the television. Um, but like you said, the, the Channel F, the Odyssey. Channel F, those ones. Good. Mm -hmm. You have the Coleco with the, the triangle like I used to have. It had the gun on the one side, a steering wheel. and then No, uh, I don't. And it's hard to uh, find a lot of them in working condition. Yeah. And even were. when you do... You know, hooking. You have to have a CRT television to hook them up to because, oh, like, yeah. light guns and things like that. Oh, don't, yeah. They don't register on oh, high def on TVs. I never thought of that. Yeah, it's it's so you wow. know. But but here's the thing: some of the people that we're bringing to the show that have tables set up, they specialize in, you know, soldering kits and modifying old consoles that perform, you know, better on HD TVs or whatever. They're, you know, a couple hundred dollar boxes you can get called like scan converters and upscalers, I guess, for lack of a better term, that you can plug in your Nintendos and Super Nintendos, and then they output in 1080p and things like that. So, yeah, I have people like that there, too, and all that. But uh, So the consoles, the history of all that, yeah, you can play that. Um, uh, obviously, I think shopping, this is a collector's market for sure. So we've got uh, 23 unique vendors um, coming from all over the place. We've got someone, a, a group from Chicago, uh, that they're setting up five tables just full of collectible stuff, some stores from uh, locally, um, and then also too, you know, like any convention, you've got people who are uh, art and craft type, type people, you know, that specialize in, you know, uh, posters and prints and things like that, so there'll be a, there'll be a lot of shopping that you can do, uh, tournaments, got a good tournament schedule, uh, everything from puzzle games like Tetris uh, style games to fighting games to Bomberman, there'll be tournaments to play in, and then just panels, you know, we'll have, you know, industry professionals, people who uh, work in the industry giving talks, talking about uh, some of the games they've worked on, meet and greets and things like that, so we've got, wow. got quite a bit to do, eight hour, or, yeah, let's see, eight, it goes uh, 11, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., so got a lot to do in a little bit of time, but um, something to do for everybody. I think you can make, you can for sure make a whole day out of it. Yeah, and Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat is going to be there? That's, yeah, what a what a wild story this is, right? And, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I know... Johnny Cage. That's right. Uh, we'll have to, have to keep uh, the stories to a minimum. I could talk all day about this guy. But, um, you know, he was, uh, he was, you know, sort of the... Un, one of the uncredited creators of Mortal Kombat. Um, you know, what a lot of people may not know, and it's probably something you can learn at the panel. But, you know, Mortal Kombat was just kind of a midway, you know, arcade game uh, based out of Chicago. All these guys that were in the game, you know, they weren't graphics that were drawn. They were graphics that were photographed. So these were real martial artists who were, you know, videotaped, doing the moves, and then digitized into the game as the graphics. So it was it was it was a technique that they used you know back back in the day to make the graphics photorealistic. So when you saw Johnny Cage or Scorpion or Raiden or whoever, those were real actors in costumes performing moves, and they just captured them into the game. So he was part of that original group, uh, part of uh, the concepting team. You know, came up with a lot of the ideas and the moves and the fatalities and all that stuff that made Mortal Kombat so unique. You know, and then of course rode the, you know. <laughs> rode the highs of that in the 90s and to me like you know i would play through the game i was one of my favorite games and i would watch the credits and i would see his name because he not only did johnny cage but he was also the guy in the sub-zero and scorpion costume which is one costume they just changed the colors in photoshop right red <laughs> blue green he's, yeah. he's all of them um that's awesome so they just had him like do that that pivot move that pivot um, move and all the punches and, and kicks yeah and, and he has some great personal home videos uh, that he's put up on YouTube just showing it. And, and there's like a side-by-side -side comparison of him, you know, standing there. And it, and it was, again, 
he tells the story better than I could, but he's like, yeah, it was just my mom's VHS camcorder. You know, we just set it up, and I stood there and just punched and kicked and, you know. This is 1990. Yeah, and then just took it into the computer, masked everything out, and uh, there were your graphics, right? It was like, uh, yeah, kind of an early digital yeah, Mortal camera. Mortal Kombat was huge. I remember having Mortal Marathons. We would have, uh, <laughs> you know, marathons. yeah, our, kid, our friends would come over, and we would play. Because what... Was it uh, number two or number three that if you play like 300 matches in a row, then you get to play Pong? Yeah. Um, so that was kind of our goal. Uh, and I, I, we got it a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was yeah, you could play Pong. Yeah, if you hit 250 wins in a row, it would it would this you get this message on the screen that says you know an incredible win streak. Now we're gonna take you to a realm from the past and. Yeah, Pong or Galaga or something because they had different ones for different versions. <laughs> and it's still going on. Like they got the, uh, Mortal Kombat just came out, right? Mortal or, Kombat 11 just came out this month. This you know, or last month in April, late April. Man. And so the the, the whole thing is still going strong, which is crazy. So does he still have anything to do with it? His brother does. His brother um, uh, Carlos Piscina still does a lot of the motion capture. So now they obviously don't they don't do the actors, but they put the suits on them with the little light bulbs and. So he's still performing the moves that you see in the game, just uh, via completely different technology. Um, but no, he's he runs a kung fu school out of Chicago, and a lot of those guys that were in the game, you know, they went on to do other games. And um, he was uh, involved with the, the live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle films in the '90s. So a lot of the stunt work, the foot soldiers, and things like that. He's he was in all that stuff. So Whoa. yeah, cool dude, and a really nice guy. Um, you know, like I said, when I'd play the games back in the day, I'd watch the credits and I'd see that he was in it, you know, and I'd read interviews with him in the game magazines back in the day. And to me, as a 12-year-old kid, he was just as big a star as Van Damme or Seagal or Schwarzenegger. I I, I would talk about Daniel Pacina as, like, one of my favorite actors, you know, or whatever. It's just, like, to, to have him come out, right? I didn't know any better as a 12-year-old kid. I just thought, it, you know, Mortal Kombat's really big and famous and popular, so he must be, too. And, uh, you know, he, he's actually become a, a pretty good friend of mine, you know. So um, before we even dreamed of doing Cincy Classic, and I was doing some television stuff and uh, was putting together uh, this the Space Foxes thing that I do, I, I wanted him to cameo in it. I said, man, at the end of the series, I, you know, they, uh, they, they get reprimanded and they have to go to, you know, special training and all this stuff. And I thought, well, it would be great to have him show up as the trainer. You know, and uh, kind of play a, a louder version of Johnny Cage. And when I emailed him, uh, asked him if he wanted to do it, he was so receptive. So I, I heard he was going to be in town for a signing in Dayton. And uh, I said, I'll come up to Dayton. We'll we'll just set up shop. We'll set up the green screen in uh, one of the hotel conference rooms and, and shoot the scene. And, and so I uh, got to meet him and hang out with him and, um, and all that stuff. And uh, his booking agent actually it's so it's the weirdest thing you know his booking agent is named Luis and um he's we were just talking and I was you know saying you know oh you know if you ever need anything you know especially merch you know I work Cincy shirts and oh Cincy shirts you know Billy you know Josh I go yeah he goes oh they're great friends of mine we used to do stand-up together so really yeah so Johnny Cage's booking agent <laughs> is an old friend of Josh and Billy's <laughs> nice. you know uh who's from here so it's just this weird small world stuff that I, that I love, but yeah, excited to have him out. He's gonna we're gonna do some press rounds, so you might see it, hear us on the radio or see us on TV not on Friday. But um, 
yeah, good dude. Can't wait to have him out. And, and a lot of people are excited. You know, I've heard so many people have said uh, they can't wait to get, you know, their arcade controllers signed. They're bringing their arcade headers to get signed and everything from uh, their game cartridges to collectibles. You know, he'll be there signing. He does this really cool thing where he brings with him this big backdrop to do photos on um, that looks like one of the stages from the game. But he does it up. I mean, when he comes out to the shows, I mean, he, he does the sunglasses. He puts on the scorpion outfit. He has this weird glowing ball that looks like an ice ball that you'll pose with. Just he just plays it up, and uh, you know, just he loves being Johnny Cage. And I think that's I think that's pretty cool. So. Who wouldn't love being Johnny Cage, <laughs> right? Right? Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So um, so besides just being you know into video games and loving to play video games. One of the things that kind of blew uh, Josh and I's minds when we hired you, which I don't know if we covered that or not, but yeah, so so you've been uh, designing for Cincy Shirts full-time for over a year now. Over a year now, yep. Um, and last year, you know, when we were opening up the Loveland store, you're like, hey, I, why don't we make like a like a video game to, to go along with it? <laughs> and Nora's like, what? You're like, make a video? Like, like what do you what do you mean? And you're like, yeah, I can I can make eight bit video games. And we're, and, and we're just like, okay, well, hey, if you want to prove yourself, go for it. But I'm not real, uh, I'm pretty skeptical right now. But anyway, yeah, so we came up with the, the, the concept of the Loveland Frogger Man. You know, we saw some art and, you know, still like months went by and we're just like, I'm not sure what the heck's going on here. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, yeah, you, you, you blew us away with this Cincinnati-based uh, retro 8-bit arcade game. Um, so tell, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, like, you know, from, from playing the games, how do you get into actually, I don't know if you call it programming them or designing yeah, them yeah. or what, uh, that's what, what all goes it. into that. Yeah, that's good. That's a good question. And, and there's truth to that. And he would send me messages and it was, it was very candid. Like, I don't believe you. Like, <laughs> no, really trust me. It's really a thing. I, I don't believe you. Oh, you. Okay. Uh, no, but it's, it's, it is an, and that's the thing is it's tedious process and, and he's right i've been designing for since these shirts for years it's been t- t- tremendous you know hands down just a, 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 a just an, a, just an ideal situation wonderful wonderful place to be um and, and it, well and i'll say this too you know i'm working on a shirt right now and this will show you how tedious it is because when we t- when we talked about the idea uh, of doing a and this breaking news here on the podcast i would be on the lookout for the cincinnati super mario 3 map uh, you know, it's 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 really cool. Uh, we talked yeah. about doing that, and I said, "Well, if we're gonna do it, we gotta do it the right way." So, you know, we're gonna do it pixel by pixel. We're gonna we're gonna make it authentic, so that if we wanted to sell this as a print or we wanted to, you know, put it in a game at some point, the artwork will be done, and uh, we can we can easily do that. So it's been a tedious process, but and I know it's a visual podcast is not a visual thing, obviously, so I can't pull it up on my <laughs> computer and show everybody. Yeah, but people can go to our blog and we can post it on there. Yeah, but so by like pixel by pixel, right? I've been I've been drawing everything from uh, Great American Ballpark to Paul Brown Stadium to the PNG Towers, the new FC Stadium, Music Hall, um, FCC Stadium. Oh yes. Yes, the FCC Stadium. <laughs> uh, we can edit that. Um, <laughs> Add a C in there. We don't. Yeah. we don't edit the FCP. No. <laughs> um, uh, what else? Uh, uh, Union Terminal, the, the you know the Fountain Square. So it's this you know the Super Mario Three Overworld, but done as Cincinnati. But you know it's one of those things I'll, I'll pick up in between projects. So if we've we've got some rush orders or things like that, you know, okay, I got to close this, do this. But it's 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 one that I've been working on, and, and uh, I can't wait to share with everybody. 
but yeah, that's how the Loveland thing came about. Was we were just kind of like, oh, Loveland stores open, you know, and we were talking about just different frog puns, and somebody said Loveland Frogger, and then we talked about Loveland Castlevania <laughs> too. Yeah, and I said, okay, Loveland Frogger. Frogger is like the simplest game in the world. Let's let's make a Loveland Frogger. And so when I pitched that, yeah, it was met with skepticism because it's it's such a weird thing. Like, does somebody say, yeah, I can make this game? And it was like, I remember you saying, like, a Flash game? Like, something you play in your browser? I'm like, no, something you play on your Nintendo or an arcade machine. Uh, but here's the story of how that went. I used to I used to be a teacher. I used to teach graphic design at, uh, at Antonelli downtown, the art school. You know, I, I got uh, to teach some cartooning classes. And uh, one of the things I wanted to do for my students was, you know, progressively as I worked there, work on a comic book, right? Because I had an old screenplay that I had written years ago. And I thought, you know what, I, and I don't know if I'm going to make this into a movie, but I could for sure make it into a comic book. So I started drawing this comic book called MMSBC, which stood for Monster Management Security Bureau of Cincinnati. And it was like Cincinnati uh, Super Sentai team. So if you've ever seen like uh, Ultraman or like the or Power Rangers, if you will, you know, this is kind of like... Uh, Giant monsters, uh, you Ultraman. Know, Ultra, who? Yeah, Man. right. So you know the it's rubber, massive ru- who? Rubber suited monsters yeah, yeah. tearing apart downtown. Um, so <laughs> I did a comic book called Monster Management Security Bureau of Cincinnati, or MMSBC for short. And as it was coming along, you know, and, and the comic expos were coming up, I thought, man, you know, it'd be cool to come out and promote the comic book. But one of the things that always gave me like major anxiety about comic book shows, especially as big as Comic Expo was how do you get noticed? Like, how do you get people to come to your booth? Because if you guys have ever run through these things, I mean, everybody's there selling their comic book that they made, or everybody's there with their art prints, or their collectible pens, or their whatever. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's like, it's you. It's easy to get lost in that shuffle. And it's hard to make eye contact with the, the artists who aren't so good, and you're like, oh, oh it's man, the worst, like, what isn't the it? heck? Huh. Excuse me, excuse me, would you like to see my comic? And, and you, you look over, and it's... for the people that took this kid's money to set up a booth, and you're just like, ah. Yeah, man, and that's and <laughs> trust me, as a convention organizer, that's tough, too, you know? Because we had to put a cap on how many designer or not designers, but, like, crafters and artists we wanted. Because if I didn't, we would have... It wouldn't have been a video game convention anymore. It would have been just a convention of all like, uh, hi, yeah. I'm an artist and I'd like to be at your show. And I, I think there's a place for that for sure. But we had to set a limit to how many we wanted and kind of curate that. Because if we didn't, there'd be no tables left for video game vendors. I, anyway. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah. it's all good, but I'm, no, no, no. I'm with you. I'm glad I got to get that off my chest a little bit. No, but <laughs> no, nah, that's cool. No, no offense, because I think it's, and everybody should keep working and keep, chasing the dream and keep improving and getting better and then and part of that is just putting yourself out there um but you know put myself out there put the comic book out there and even though i was like well this is a comic book that takes place in cincinnati it's cincy themed still what do i need to get people to come over to my booth and really check it out talk to me whatever this was almost like eight years ago and so i thought well i love old video games and this this is kind of a throwback comic and i'm kind of a throwback kind of guy I was like, what if, you know, because I, I would see where people would take, like, like, for example, the Atari version of Pac-Man sucks. It's, like, notoriously bad. It was, like, rushed in, ter- in time to meet the Christmas 1980 holiday season or whatever. It's horrible. So there were these, like, hobbyist people uh, that would take, you know, the old, you know, the, well, I could do a better version of Pac-Man just, you know, by learning this programming language and doing it myself and they'd release it and they, you have a better version of Pac-Man. Or someone just going, you know what? What would Super Mario Brothers look like on the Atari? And they make it. 
And so I'm, I'm fascinated by all this stuff, right? So I joined the forums and I'd already kind of been a member and, you know, kind of a fan of watching what these guys were doing. And I'm like, you know, hey guys, I have a comic book and I'm thinking about making a game that I could set up at my booth at the Comic Expo uh, just to, just to, just really to raise awareness for what I'm doing. You know, people go, well, I see an Atari set up over there and they come and they play it and they go, oh, this is a, a game based on your comic book? That's crazy. And so I, I designed the game. Uh, it was as an Atari game because I thought, well, it's simple, right? How hard could it be? Turns out it's very hard. <laughs> um, but I designed the game, and at first I just wanted to know if it was possible, right? So I thought, okay, what can I do on the Atari that's never been done? So, I mean, I took a couple of games that I like, Space Invaders, uh, Missile Command. I was like, how can I combine these two? So you got the bugs coming down from the top, and maybe instead of shooting from the bottom, you have two players shooting from the sides, and we'll put a... Cincinnati city at the bottom and you got to keep them from coming down but you're shooting on the sides so I came up with this whole design concept and I go onto the Atari Age forums and I just ask I go hey I've got this idea for a game is this even possible and people look at me like oh no it's too, it's too complicated too many graphics whatever you know I don't think it's going to work and then I got a message from a, from a guy up in uh, he lives up in Michigan named Jason uh, Santucci and he said yeah it's possible I'll walk you through it I'll help you I was just like blown away by like how somebody just a complete stranger doesn't know who I am, what I'm doing, just said, yeah, yeah let's do this. And I, I learned everything. So, so Atari's programmed in basic. I, I learned about visual basic, which is like a, almost like, like a late actual basic that I learned in high school. Yeah. Like zeros really? and ones. Yeah. So, but then there was like a, a visual interface called visual basic that allows it, so simplifies it. And again, when you're doing this, there's a community of people out there who have, through the last 35 years have troubleshooted and they know shortcuts and they know graphical tricks and everything. So he and I, we did it. We got it done. And we got somebody to manufacture them and make them. And then the word spread. And, you know, we just, the first day we set up that, this was in 2012 or 2011, we set up shop at the Comic Expo and this guy comes and goes, oh yeah, I drove six hours because I'm an Atari collector. I had to get it. I had somebody from Oregon send me a private message and uh, say, hey, you got any more of those left, you know? Because we would number them or whatever, you know, one of 20, you know? And when they were gone, they were gone. So we had people show up from everywhere to pick this game up. And they were more interested in the game than they were the comic book. Wow. So I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of, maybe maybe the comic book thing is cool, but maybe maybe this is something I could, I could really get behind. Yeah, I mean, 3,000 people were doing comic books of their own and whatever. And yeah. Totally stick out. For sure, and so it, and it became kind of addicting, kind of fun, because it was like, well, what, well, what would you do? You know, so that, you know, every time I'd have a new project, whether it's something I was doing in television or whatever, some kind of creative project, I always kind of like said, well, I'll accompany it with a video game, right? So I brought this with me, and again, it's visual medium. So this is a space boxes game I did. You got a picture of it for the blog. There you wow. go. It's the only one I have left. Sixteen of twenty-five, right? So we would go to these conventions and we would number them. You know, and, and people come pick them up, and they become these kind of sort of collector's pieces, right? So this is when we did that's for awesome. the 2017 Arcade Expo, and we did a, a run on PC and then a run on Sega Dreamcast. And wait, what, what's this based on? This goes along with? Uh, Space Foxes, which is a segment that I produced for Nightflight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, we got to get to Yeah, that. which is a totally <laughs> different story. We'll, we'll do that for a totally different podcast. You know, we did that as a 2017 exclusive. And uh, <laughs> that's so wild. And it just became addicting. I just wanted to learn more. So with with the NES game and the Loveland Frogger, there was a guy named Joe out of Florida who created a very similar uh, software application called NES Maker. 
uh, that you know kind of simplified the process. That's assembly language as opposed to basic, so it's a little better. Um, you know, and I just I just dove head first in. So let's do it. You know, I, it's because it's something I enjoy. It's something I'd like to see, and yeah, uh, it's cool. So for Cincy Classic, of course we got to do a game, right? So one of the things that we did for the Kickstarter was that if you pledge fifty dollars, of course you get your ticket and everything like that. But they'll also be coming home with a cartridge of Coney Time, a play on Burger Time, where you build a cheese Coney, and uh, you have to avoid the ketchup and mayonnaise because who puts ketchup and mayonnaise on a Coney? Um, so yeah, no you can, one here. No one here, right? So, uh, so yeah. So the Coney, Tony, uh, Tony Con, <laughs> Coney Time game exists. It's, it's done. It's ready to roll. It's ready. It's being manufactured right now. In fact, how, how long do you think it's program? Awesome. Uh, for Coney Time, yeah. Well, Coney Time's a little bit easier because um, it's just, a, you know, the mechanic is already there. If you've ever played Burger Time, uh, you climb the ladders, here comes the bun, here comes the cheese and the lettuce. So you just have to change out a few things? Is that... Yeah, for this one. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, for this one, it's it's more or less just a spin on Burger Time. So instead of the bun and the burger, it's a cheese, chili, and a hot dog. And yeah. and the guy's wearing a Reds cap and a Reds uniform and all that. Wow. So, yeah, oh, so. man. So, yeah, you know, hey, you know what? We got to get that in our RTR store. I was going to say, Coney Time would make a great arcade cabinet maybe down at OTR. Maybe maybe here at the Hyde Park, even. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a Hyde Park. Um, I like, see a lot of joggers like around here. Paperboy or joggers or Paper something like that. Good. Well, you remember the power pad where you just run on it or whatever? Maybe <laughs> yeah. we one where you try to keep the T-shirt shop from selling beer out. And you're uh, yeah. it. That's, that's there you go. <laughs> Well, yeah, there the was the angry um, mob. The angry mob. <laughs> there was the Budweiser arcade game, the um, root beer or beer tapper, that was uh, back in the eighties. Do a version of beer tapper for uh, man. So I've got some random questions here. I love random questions. It's my uh, favorite. I've been jotting these down as I've been. Going. Yeah, yeah, go. So you was something you were talking about earlier. Kind of reminded me when you said there was that video game crash in the in the eighties. Yeah. And I played eighties when I was in. I played games when I was in junior high, and then I kind of just lost my flavor for it. I go to the arcade occasionally, but it seems like America lost its flavor for a game, because in the 90s, the trope was, oh, college is sitting around playing Sega and Nintendo and all that. There was, no one was sitting around playing video games at my college in the 80s. We were doing other stuff, but it seems in the 90s, it takes off again. Am I, did, was I moving in different circles, or is that an accurate historical assessment? Totally accurate. Okay. Um, totally accurate, because in 83, and, and people like to point it to one game, the one notorious game that brought the whole uh, industry down, which was E.T. Oh, yeah, the one, they're looking in it for that in landfills now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was so, they, they made more, they were, they were anticipating this game being such a hit that they made more E.T. cartridges than there were people who had Atari systems in their home. So the legend has it that there were just warehouses full of these that were buried in a uh, Nevada landfill. Yeah, yeah. And because that became such a weird urban legend, they made a documentary out of digging these yes. ET cartridges up. Wow. And they found them. It was real. They did? And they found them. Yeah. I will link to that in the vlog. So um, the game was just so horrible? Was there bugs? It was, was it just terrible. And the, basic? It was terrible. And the guy who programmed it, Howard Scott Warshaw, he, he made good <laughs> games. He made Yar's Revenge, you know, the Indiana Jones games. Good games. But he had, but, you know, ET was a big hit that summer, and they needed a game by Christmas. He's, I think he did it in six weeks. He just crapped it out. Yeah, and you know, it's it's. I don't think it's a, a bad game as much as it is like a, maybe a misunderstood one. But the fact that you know the, there were so many Atari clones and television ColecoVision and 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 the graphics and the capabilities of the system were so limited that you just had bins and bins and bins of games that were all really kind of just the same. You know, so it was just it just fizzled out. People were just like, it's a fad. It's over. You know, in arcades, at least the way I remember it. 
in the 80s before the big comeback where they were kind of seedy places. Like, I'd be like, I want to go there. My mom would be like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, that's that's yeah. not a place for a young man, an arcade. Um, it's like the pool hall of the There you go. Yeah, like people would say, you know, at least, at least my mother would say, and I've heard stories, right, from people like uh, Doc Mavericks or whatever being this place that you just didn't go unless you were looking for trouble. But it wasn't until that Nintendo came out and Super Mario Brothers came out that kind of said, okay, well... Games can be more than just one screen where you're shooting at aliens from the bottom. You know what I mean? It can be more than just Pac-Man going through a maze. And, you know, Super Mario Brothers obviously was this phenomenon and still is today, right? Breakfast cereals and whatever, you know, cartoons and all that. Uh, But to me, what brought the arcades back to life was Street Fighter 2. Because it wasn't until that game came out to where it was like, oh, this is competition. No, there's secret moves, and there's eight different characters, and you would you could go and you, you could, play with four friends, like yeah, two on two, and... right? Fight somebody, right? And um, I mean, I can tell you stories of going to the arcade where you know, man, you know, you'd have guys that they'd wear gloves, protective gloves, because they were doing the moves so hot and heavy. And from Street Fighter Two, we come full circle. Your Mortal Kombat was born. And what a phenomenon that was. The movie was a huge hit. And the, and the soundtrack, everybody remembers that song, you know, the Mortal Kombat song. Yeah. And so and, and at, the, at that point, it was it was back to life, right? But, you know, absolutely. I mean, it was, when I was a kid, yeah, you know, you could go to a big lot store and get Atari cartridges, two for a dollar. I mean, they were everywhere. It was just oversaturation, for sure. Man. And, then, and uh, does, I would imagine our former employer has a lot to do with the because you could, when you could start to rent video games at Blockbuster, <laughs> does that also have an impact? It really seemed to, because we rented the hell out of those damn things. Yes, that was a big part of it. Although, you know, game companies would tend to make games um, harder in the Western market because renting games wasn't huge in Japan, and a lot of games would get you know ported over, either the, you know, their origins being Japanese-made. Uh, but there would be instances where games were made harder in the United States because they wanted to, uh, you know, not have you rent it and defeat it, you know, play through the whole thing in a weekend or two days. So you'd have to buy it so you could spend yeah. time with it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Marketing. Yeah, I think kids these days, <laughs> you know, like they don't die in their games. Or if no. they do, they respawn immediately. Yep. Like there's no three lives and you're done. Um, like, man, I can't. My, my kid is a Fortnite addict. Yeah. And I can't get him to sit down and play Mario Brothers or Super 3 or... Yeah, anything. It's like, uh, you know, just because, oh, well, if, if I can't beat it or I can't, I, I, can't, I don't know. Like, like they're, if they're not good at it right off the bat and, oh, I died three times, there's no try again because, oh, now I'm back at the beginning. You know, I, I'd just rather just go down and, you know, play with my friends. It's more of a social thing now than yeah. than a challenge. No, to, you're, you're right. And, I you know, modern games today, it's like, it's like you know, I, I'm all for it. Like, you know, I, I'm a big fan still. Um, but you mentioned, like, Fortnite. I mean, yeah, it's a social thing. But it's a different kind of social thing. You know, you're wearing a headset and you're talking to people and you're, you know, organizing it all online. And, again, I think that was, again, part of the success of Street Fighter Two was you. it was a social thing. It was hanging out together at the arcade. You know, and, and, and a lot of games today, too, some of them, to me, are, are they, they play out more like movies um, than they do, like, actual tests of skill. You know, like a lot of them, like I've seen, like, like say, like the new Tomb Raider. It's almost like you're playing through a movie. You hit the button yeah, at the right um, time, you know, which doesn't really jive with me. But I think the reason that 
people are showing up to stuff like this, and, and the reason that people are still buying Nintendo Classic boxes or whatever and downloading these games and coming out to retro gaming expos is that the simplicity of them has held up. And just, they're still fun, regardless if the graphics are primitive. They're still fun. And for me, it's not that I don't enjoy new games. Yeah, I bought Mortal Kombat 11. I buy, you know, new games on the Switch and PlayStation 4 all the time. But for me, the reason they've held up, I mean, of course, nostalgia is a huge part of it. But I also think that, you know, I only have maybe 15 or 20 minutes of me time a day. And that's when everybody's gone to bed. And I'm like, what am I going to do for the 15 minutes uh, <laughs> that I have before I inevitably pass out? You know, I want to play a game that I can get 15 minutes in and feel satisfied. And not like, well, I didn't, I did barely made a dent in this 70-hour RPG or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, to, <laughs> to put in, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog or Columns or whatever, you know, Streets of Rage, you can play it for 15, 20 minutes, satisfied, done. You know, and I, and I like that. And that's what I like about some of the older ones. You know, and I, we have kids that are like the same age. But, yeah, like, you know, the Fortnite thing is, is an unbelievable phenomenon. And, you know... Who knows, 20 years from now, they're, they may be doing Fortnite reunion shows and <laughs> Fortnite retro celebrations. I was going to say, it's, uh, it seems to like the uh, value of video games is, is leveled off because we still have an old Wii. Yeah. And uh, I think I'll go buy some cheap games for it now because, you know, it's not, it, it's been, the successor is now out. and But they're really not as cheap. You're not getting them like, you can't go to Big Lots and get them two for a dollar. It's because, do you think, are people anticipating that these actually are going to stay with this generation and people will look back? I guess like anything because people realize things are going to be collectible. Yeah. People my age are all about the physical media. There's a company called Limited Run Games that take games that were sort of meant to be download only and, and put them on physical cartridges because, you know, again, we appreciate, just like record albums, we appreciate the artwork, we appreciate the liner notes and all that stuff. And video games are the same way. I think what we see the industry moving towards now is just how big is your micro SD card that's in your system? How many games can you download and fit onto it, right? Fortnite, for example, is a free game. You buy the guns and you buy yeah. the level packs and things like that, but to download it, you know, it's, what do they call them? Uh, like a gateway? Or? Gateway. It's a gateway drug, right? They get the first one for free, right? <laughs> oh, totally. I think we've spent, we've spent probably four or five hundred bucks on Fortnite over the last year just yeah. because of the, yeah, they, huh. they want the skins. And that's like, wait a second. Okay, cool. Well, okay, sell me on this skin. It's a $10 skin. Okay, so what's special about it? Well, I look cool. <laughs> okay, so so does it make you faster? Do you jump higher? Does it make your power punch? You know, like, are, are you, like, become some wizard or something? Do you have a wand? No, or? I just look cool. No, that's <laughs> it. You just look cool. I was like, wait a second. So, actually, you're putting a target on yourself because, hey, this kid's parents gave him 10 bucks. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I... I, uh, well, I'm, I'm trying, trying to get as that a lay person, head, like, come but on. the other people playing the game with them all around the world of the country will see him in this yes. skin, right? Okay, so that's, yeah. yeah, so it's just like being, when you buy a new shirt, you know? Yeah. So you have, you have oh, a, and there's limited edition ones. Yeah, then, yeah, so. But also, they put stuff in their item shop that is supposedly limited edition. My son gets pissed when, uh, you know, he's like, wait a second, they, they brought that skin back, it was supposed to be limited, <laughs> and they totally bring it back in just because, I mean, they're making, what, tens of millions a day probably off that stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I sound like the grumpy old man here talking. No, but, <laughs> but there's something to it. Because back in the day, if you would buy a game, and let's say it just wasn't for you, you could return it. You could trade it in. You could say, hey, this guy down the street, he's got a game I want. Maybe we can trade. You buy a digital game, you're stuck with it. 
You can't return it. You've downloaded it, right? You're done. There's no, there's no physical version. So, you know, I, I still buy them because, yeah, of course, I'm old school and I, I, I'm going to sound like an old fart, but I do love, you know, the bookshelfing aspect. I like seeing my a physical representation of my collection. And when you're looking for something to play or, you know, you've got 20 minutes to burn, take the game off, you pull it. Yeah, that looks good. I'm looking at the cover. I'm looking at the back of it. You put it in. And if for some reason I want to sell it later on down the line, I can throw it up on eBay or whatever. And you know, there's a you know, there's a return. Sometimes the value goes up, just like anything. But yeah, I think that's where you see it headed now. Is that you know everything will be all, all physical or all digital. Uh, they just came out with a new model of the Xbox One S that people are calling the Xbox One Sad because uh, it has no disc drive. And I think what you're going to see with PlayStation Fives and whatever the successor to the Nintendo Switch is, it's going to be just a small box, probably about as big as your phone, and everything is just stored internally. See, the thing, the argument for uh, physical media, sad. too, is for anything, but be it books or CDs or anything, is, you know, versus digital, is sometimes digital goes away. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. There's a lot of things that just vanish. Well, licensing, right? So, like, yeah, or someone maybe down there says, oh, wait, there's something in this video game that's violating my copyright. Boom, it's gone. If you don't have that physical disc, yeah. there's but no more game, there's guys. There's not a dump full of Fortnite CDs anywhere. Well, there, there's an arcade game called Daytona USA, and it uses the Daytona Speedway license. Well, oh, they, they brought great. that back out a couple of years ago on, on Xbox and PlayStation as a download only. Well, Sega only had that license for a year or two years or whatever. So if you didn't download it in those two years, your window is closed. You cannot get that game anymore. And then the you have to keep expired, it on your... And you have to keep it on your hard, hard drive. drive. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so... That sucks. Mm. <laughs> that really sucks. So yeah, just for for preservation's sake, right? Yeah, having a physical backup is is probably a smart move, right? Even though it's, you know, again, I'm going to sound now I'm going to sound incredibly lazy, right? But I do love the idea that I can just sit on my couch. I'm done playing this game. Close it down. Go to the menu. Choose the other one. I have to get up. Oh yeah, physically not, change it, right? Yeah, yeah. there's certainly advantages but, to it. You can store a lot more, and you know, it's it's environmentally more friendly than having all these boxes of plastic out there that you know yeah there you go think yeah, of that so aspect there is that yeah. <laughs> carbon footprint and it is you know like with music it's all easy for me to have 10,000 songs in my iTunes and having boxes and boxes and racks of CDs all over my place you know yeah, so. right yeah and that's that's the thing too is I've pared down a lot of my collection I have just for just for saving space I just go you know and I'm, I'm again I've tried to curate it too and I'm sure people who collect music and movies and things do the same thing but I've tried to curate it through what will I actually play what actually has sentimental yeah. value cuz sometimes you go to a thrift store or a goodwill or a flea market and you're like oh this game's a dollar yeah I'll buy it um, but then you will never play it exactly. it just sits there you know and I'm sure it's the same thing with music you know will I ever really listen to this or is it just getting thrown into a box <laughs> or whatever so yeah so for those listening to this posthumously uh, as a lot of people do Will there be in advance of the next one, or if not, is is there a website people can go to or a Facebook page that people can refer to? And maybe if they're listening to this after the this year's event has happened, they can go back. Will they see pictures from this year and kind of see what it was all about? Like, is there a resource for? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. You can go to uh, cincyclassic.net or just search Cincy Classic on Facebook. Um, which I got to tell you, after a year of working here at Cincy Shirts. And then reverting back to Cincy with an I instead of Cincy with a Y. <laughs> um, it's driving me and, and uh, Jenny both crazy. But yeah, it's Cincy, C-I-N-C-I, classic. And we, we chose that, I think, mostly because that's how they spelled it back when it started back in the day. 
But it's all one word, right? Yeah. I think they're getting away with it because we use Cincy as one word. Right. Uh, a standalone. But I think if you're combining it with another word, you do need the I in there. There you go. So I'd actually recommend keeping really? it. Really? If you're making it one word, that just makes more sense to me. It would look weird if it was Cincy with a Y, all one word. But if it was two words, <laughs> you would want to go Cincy with a Y, classics. Our, uh, but since the classics, look at your, your uh, like Cincinnati. So well, we joked. We are as a contingency plan. If if Bill Augustine had said no, I, I really don't want you to use that name. I might bring it back someday. We were just going to call it Cincy Classic with a Y. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Well, that's awesome. I'm sure it was so uh, so tough over the last year to to get this together. I mean, that's uh, what a what a wild project. Uh, I can't wait to go there. Uh, I think we might have some shirts available. Um, yep. You're talking about the Mario, uh, the Mario map action. Mario map action. Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think out. we've got a little space carved out for some Cincy shirts. So if you come to the show, we'll have some of those, uh, some of those favorites. Maybe you've been on the fence about buying the Cincy Contra or the, uh, you know, uh, Tech Mobile shirt. We'll we'll have a couple of those there at the show. So that's cool. Heck yeah. So let's see. So we're at the uh, so it's in the, the Highlander Event Center. Yep. So where exactly is that? Oh, it's 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 five minutes from downtown. And you guys wouldn't believe the crap <laughs> people people like you know Cincy Classic. That's in Northern Kentucky. It's in Northern Kentucky. I'm like, yo, the airport's in Northern Kentucky. Sit down. Um, and if well, you stood well, on the damn lawn and sit the hell down. I, I always <laughs> say I always tell people I say well, if you stand on the roof of the Highland Event Center, you can you have a better view of downtown than anywhere. Um, no, it's it's right off of 471. Um, if you take the exit uh, where the big Jeff Weiler is, uh, and if for all you NKY historians out there or people who've been around for a while, it's the old uh, Drug Emporium site. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Is that where the Antique Mall is? It's at the Antique it's Mall. At, okay, it's in that. Yeah. T- okay. Yeah, the Antique Mall is connected to the Event Center, and it's ran by the same family who uh, who I uh, uh, my brother and I went to high school with. Cool. So uh, yeah, it's it's really cool, and um, it's a big event space. Yeah, it's right off 471 in, in Fort Thomas. So what's great about it is again, it's attached to an antique mall. So if you're an antique shopper, maybe you want to bring your wife along, and she's like, I'm not into this old game stuff. They man. have a coffee shop too. They have a great coffee yeah. shop, a little a little stage and, mm-hmm. and, and a snack bar, and been plenty of antique shopping. It's a huge place. They've got a lot of cool stuff there. Um, what time's Johnny Cage signing? He's signing all day, man. Uh, he's sitting there for nine hours. He's sitting nine hours. He's going to do a panel, and um, you can also see him the night before. Uh, he'll be at the Arcade Legacy Bar in Northside for the Mortal Kombat kickoff party. Does tournament. he sleep on your couch? No, <laughs> <laughs> but it'd be cool if he would. No, <laughs> I thought about that. Listen, I trust me because you know we're, we're we're doing this thing you know from the ground up. And look, let me tell you something real quick because I, I I I get to do the fun stuff, right? I get to design the posters and I get to do the podcasts and I'm 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 chauffeuring Johnny Cage around. But really, truly, I have to tell you that like you know, and especially learning this from the past year of being at Cincy Shirts as someone who works from home. Right, you got to be hyper organized. But you know, when it comes to keeping track of the Kickstarter, who gave what money, who's bought the tables, you're constant. You you know this as a business owner, you're constantly answering emails from people. Uh, they come in hot and heavy, twenty four seven. I couldn't do it alone. So the fact that I have, um, you know, a partner, my wife, who's helping me do this, I, there's no way I could do it by myself for sure. Um, so she takes on such a huge load. 
of all the stuff that I, that goes unseen. I think you know because again, I get to do the yeah. fun stuff. I get to be the face of the brand or whatever, right? And and and, and put fun social media tweets up, and, and she's you know, the glue, and she's <laughs> the glue, right? And then uh, one of my longtime friends too, Matt. He um, who's a web guy uh, through and through. He does like web consulting and you know uh, AI stuff. He probably could answer some of your Shopify questions <laughs> if you ever had them. Uh, nice. But um, yeah, he he helps you know maintain the website and and keep all that structured. So. Um, you know, it's really a, a, a three stooges running this thing, and um, it, it's it's amazing that we do it. You know, I'm 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 the optimistic person who thinks it's going to be fun and everything's going to be smooth and great and wonderful. Um, but you know, Jenny's the one who's going to be like, "Well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And have you thought about this?" And I go, "Well, no." She's like, "Well, it's a good thing somebody did, right?" You know, so it's it's going to be cool. It's going to be a good atmosphere, good things. Yeah, you know, I, again, going to all these different shows. You know, these these classic video game fans, like really truly, they're they're, they're some of the best in the world and some of the most respectful and, and polite people. And so I, I don't anticipate any trouble. I don't anticipate uh, reckless youth chewing on game controllers and <laughs> things like that. So I think it's going to be uh, quite all right. Yeah, Highland Event Center is a cool place. Lots of parking. Um, you know, that's a family affair. My, uh, you know, <laughs> my mom and dad asked, how could we help? And I said, let me think about this for a second. I'll get back with you. And um, I said... I'm going to ask them if we can have a grill out front. And if so, you guys, I'm going to give you the card. Go to Sam's, buy hot dogs, buy hamburgers, and have at it. So people have something to eat at the show. So they're going to be, be a cookout in nice. front of the building. Because right? we talked about like food trucks and stuff. Yeah. Let's, next year. Yeah, maybe next you year. 2.0. Yeah, my dad's a heck of a cook, too. You know, I'll One put him over one. Time. Yeah, oh, so that's how you got to call these things too, 2.0, 3 yeah, there, there you go. Cincy yeah. Classic 2.0. Well, I hope we do a 2020 because back in the day, this I'll tell this very last story. You know, and, and growing up playing games in the 90s, I played a, a, a spin-off of Street Fighter on the Nintendo called Street Fighter 2010 because it took place in the future. Ooh. Right? <laughs> and um, I've been playing a lot of OutRun 2019 which took place in the future these are games that were made in like 90 91 and next year there was a there's a there's a baseball game where you play baseball with robots um and ai controlled uh fielders and it was called super baseball 2020 right yeah so uh we will definitely have to play super baseball 2020 next year <laughs> absolutely uh, at the show uh, we still you know we have a lot of great things going on in in, in major league baseball but we do not have robots on the field no. yet you get that um, sorted. Yeah. well dietrich is as close as we come to a robot on the field as far as <laughs> yeah. an over-the-top out there characters a little more metal He's got yeah. the gold. Well, yeah, for Just sure. Right. Well, we maybe we'll have to do a Reds uh, Super Baseball 2020 T-shirt or something. Yeah, or I'm the uh, game. I think you need to just. Uh Design the game for us, and you're off. Oh, time. there you go. Oh, so we'll do the game too. Right? So it's the Reds. There you go. Well, that's that's all I've got. Hope to see everybody at the show. Um, look, show up, and uh, I don't know. Should we do something along the lines of if they listen to the podcast, and can I give them a deal at the door? Well, we're gonna do a coupon code for shirts. We can yeah. also do a coup- We can do this. Use that same coupon code for what's the we'll your. Yeah, uh, we'll do yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah, there you go. So do you know how this works? Do you listen to the show? <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, so, pick out a coupon code for folks to get 20% off their next Cincy shirts or oldschoolshirts.com. By the way, oldschoolshirts, good resource for a lot of uh, old video game, old-timey video game stuff. Uh, we will link to that in the blog as well. Yeah. And I'll explain on the other side of the interview. Uh, coupon code, what do you reckon? I reckon the coupon code has to be retro, right? There you it's go. simple. Okay. Easy retro. to remember. 
And uh, yeah, so retro save you twenty percent off and Cincy shirts stores or CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com. And also, it'll save you an extra five bucks on any Cincy shirts you may be able to purchase at the event. So our event price on shirts is always twenty bucks. So if you say retro at the at the booth because you listen to this podcast, your shirt will be fifteen dollars. How's that sound? I'll do you one better. If you say retro and you say, "Hey, I listen to the Cincy Shirts podcast, and I'm here because of the Cincy Shirts podcast. Buy one, get one free admission at the door." Okay, so, great. Whoa, super. That way, details. And go see Mr. Reuter. That way, if your if your significant other was, yeah, if, if your significant other was on the fence, they're like, this stuff isn't for me. I'm not paying ten bucks to get in there. No way. You can be like, listen, I listen to the Cincy Shirts podcast, and baby, you're getting in for free. So yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can get Josh a Mr. Reuter costume by by Friday. Cool. All right. Well, sounds awesome. Can't wait. Or uh, if you listen to this afterwards, it was awesome. <laughs> Ricky Henry, if you put Cincy Classic Expo in Facebook, you can get the deets on the event, and that's Cincy with an I at the end instead of a Y. If you're listening after the event, the regular Facebook page will still be up. It's Cincy Classic, and again, with an I instead of a Y at the end of Cincy. So, uh, also, the videos uh, you see on our site, uh, the Facebook page, and in the stores when you're shopping, those are all produced by Ricky. And if you haven't already, check out the Cincy Shirts podcast archives. Lots of great episodes back there. We had Matt Bischoff from Survivor, Gold Star Chili CEO Roger David, Bill Donabedian, the guy that founded and still helps book Bunbury, Greg Hamilton from WWE, John Keyswetter, Amy Yazbeck, all kinds of great guests back there. And if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, please drop us a line, uh, info at CincyShirts.com and put podcast guest in the subject line, and then we'll try to get that person on for you. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who uh, may no longer live in the area, but maybe still feel connected to the tri-state. Today's show is produced by me, with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and many more at OldSchoolShirts.com. We have a lot of defunct sports teams, old shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations, and a special section of video games. So check that out. So it's like Cincy Shirts, but for uh, those towns. In case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is RETRO. That's all one word. Uppercase, lowercase, you can mix and match it. It doesn't matter. It should work the same way. You can use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. You can also use that for the retro gaming celebration. Get a two-for-one ticket there. And uh, if you go to the event and say the code, you will get a t-shirt for just $15. So, you know, I'm not sure what they're going to have there, but they will be 50 instead of our normal event price of 20. All right. And you go into the stores too. Uh, you can use those in our physical brick and mortar stores, uh, OTR, Hyde Park, Loveland, say retro, and you'll get 20% off any purchase there, not just the gaming stuff we have. So follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest NC Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye.
wish I said goodbye.